0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VGW Group, no purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
2: Welcome, everyone, back to BAM's Radio. I know we've been on a hiatus a little bit uh, since... Uh, the end of recruiting as a uh, national signing day came and went, Alabama and the second signing day finished off the number 1 recruiting class in the country. Uh, I'm your host Rudy Arman as always uh, with my two uh, favorite people. Uh, we've got we have a uh, co-host and wizard extraordinaire, the uh, producer behind the curtain and that's Thomas the Wizard Watts. I Always appreciate him from the great city of Mobile getting us cranked up here on this podcast. I'm of course Rudy Arman from the Rocket City and then from Birmingham. We have our third amigo. He's, of course, from 1989 to 1993, a member of the Alabama Crimson Tide and a part of the teams that won the 1992 National Championship and, of course, uh, has stayed connected to the program, and that is William Redfish Barger. William, welcome back tonight. How are you, sir?
0: Doing great, Drew.
2: Well, and I guess to get the show started, the first thing I'm going to do is uh, you, talk, you know, we, we do update you on basketball on this show. Of course, it's turned into a dumpster fire. They are now 17-14 and 14 in, this, in the fourth season under Avery Johnson. And for yet again, the fourth straight season, a late-season spiral has them teetering, uh, you know, to miss the NCAA tournament. Last year, Colin Sexton saved them, but he's playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he's not walking through that door. Uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide had a golden opportunity down the stretch. Uh, they completely blew it. Uh, they they uh, were they, After they won at South Carolina, they were setting themselves up uh, to have a strong finish and to cement an NCAA tournament berth. They proceeded to blow uh, uh, you know games in the last three minutes at home against LSU, uh, where they led 49-43 in the second half. They were up 36-23 to uh, by 13 points against the Auburn Tigers in the last home game of the season uh, when they got the ODK Sportsmanship Trophy for the evisceration of Auburn on the football field, uh, 52-20, earlier in the season. Uh, but Alabama blew that lead and uh, blew that game, losing 66-60. And then they proceeded to lose 82-70 on the road at Arkansas to finish 8-10 and in the SEC. They will be the ten seed in the SEC tournament starting Thursday in Nashville for Alabama. They will play at 6 p.m. against Kermit Davis and the Ole Miss Rebels, a team that they trounced in Tuscaloosa earlier this season, but I wouldn't put my money on Alabama in this matchup coming up. And to be honest, now they've put themselves in the position where they must, I think, win two to three games in the SEC tournament to get into the NCAAs. One of those wins would have to be against Kentucky in the second round of the tournament, uh, and uh, in, uh, in which would be a, a, a quarterfinal matchup. Uh, but I, I I think Alabama has about as much chance of beating Kentucky twice in one season as I do of saying Gus Malzahn's a good football coach. So that's not going to happen. And so Alabama's probably going to go home and end up in the NIT, probably on the road. And I firmly believe that this we may be seeing the end of the Avery Johnson era. Do I think he's going to get fired by the University of Alabama? Not necessarily. I know he has a buyout in the 8 to $9 million range, but... I think uh, – I'm not sure he wants to be a college basketball coach, guys. And the thing is, his son's going to be done with his eligibility. His wife does not like Tuscaloosa. She wants to live in a bigger city. And I think Avery is going to want to explore some professional jobs because I don't think he's ever thought of himself as a college coach. I think he did this for his son mostly. And because his job opportunities weren't there in the NBA, getting Colin Sexton – uh, from Alabama to the National Basketball Association, kind of reignited his name a little bit. We saw Cleveland mention with him at the start of the season. I think that was by design. And I think Avery Johnson is going to move on from Alabama probably within a month uh, of the last game of this season. And I think it would be good for both parties. Avery's a great guy, treated me very well. Uh, but he's just not a college coach. He doesn't understand the college game. doesn't understand how to teach, how to motivate uh, you know, had a, You know, I, I think his coaching staff, Antoine Petway, does a great job recruiting. Yasmir Roseman hasn't brought much to the table. John Pelfrey, good assistant, not great. Uh, but I, I think Alabama and, of course, the strength program is about as bad as it was under Mike DeBose in football before Nick Saban came up. There's just no <laughs> development, nobody getting stronger, nobody getting better. And I think that's going to be a huge, you know, uh, task for Greg Byrne. Who I think understands basketball, and for the, he's the first athletic director. I'm confident in making a basketball hire. Mal Moore, spectacular, built the facilities. Football guy, but I don't think he truly had the pulse of college basketball. Uh, and of course, Bill Battle was a train wreck in every aspect. I mean, he was a great businessman, and of course, built a uh, college licensing LLC. Uh, he's a he's a, you know the man behind the curtain there with all these licensing fees these universities get, and he built that, but. He's not an athletic director. He'd never been one before, and I think it showed. He, he made several hires that I think Alabama has come to regret. And now Greg Byrne is kind of having to, you know, uh, clean up that mess. Now, I mean, I know there's, the fans are frustrated because he gave Avery Johnson an extension a year and a half ago. He did the same thing with Christy Curry in women's basketball. But let's get real. Women's basketball is a drop in the bucket. That is easily, easily done. Uh, the basketball situation, Avery Johnson had a lot of momentum. It's all about perception. And so, uh, you know, I know people get are a little bit irked by that. But Greg Byrne knows what he's doing. He knows how to run a complete athletic department. I think he was he was given the seal of approval by Nick Saban when he was brought in here. And hopefully he can fix the uh, basketball program. It's in need of fixing because if Alabama does – I think this pyre in basketball is as important as Nick Saban was in football. Alabama, it's been nearly 30 years since they won the SEC tournament. They've only been to the NCAAs twice in the past – since uh, 2006, they've only won a game one time. And the SEC is getting better rapidly. And if they don't get this hire right, they could slide into permanent mediocrity or irrelevance. And so it's going to be up to Greg Byrne to kind of get some juice back into this program. And if Auburn can build a state-of-the-art arena, Alabama should be able to as part of this Crimson Standard. And if you make the right hire, certainly I, I'm not a Bruce Pearl fan, but he's done a great job at Auburn with, in, in, in context of what they were you can get your program juiced again. So that's going to be Greg Burns' job, and I have a funny feeling, guys, that we'll be talking about Alabama basketball on a new hire uh, within the next couple of months in between talking a lot of Alabama football. But that's just my take. I think the Avery Johnson era has run its course, and Alabama is going to be going uh, in a different direction.
0: Well, you know, Drew, I'm not a a basketball fan, so to speak, but, 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 also, um, you know, got a lot of sources that are, and, you know, I had heard back in, I don't know, late December, well, no, not late December, maybe late January, early February, that the powers to be, maybe, maybe it was Greg Byrne. I wasn't given a name. Um, but there, there was two things that I heard and that was one, um, that Avery Johnson's wife had never gone ahead Um, with the construction on the the lot that they had bought out on Lake Tuscaloosa, pretty close to to Nick Saban's residence.
2: correct. And
0: also, too, which goes along with what you said about her not liking Tuscaloosa and wanting to get out to a bigger city. Um, And also, too, that um, if he felt like he was a strong candidate for the the Pelicans basketball job, um, that he was really encouraged to uh, pursue that opportunity and take it.
2: Yeah, I'm I've, I've hearing I've heard, I've heard the same thing, maybe even a front office position because the Pelicans fired their whole front office. I'm hearing that Avery Johnson visited them in December. So I think this is going to be an amicable divorce. I think he's going to move on. I wish him all the luck in the world. He's a great guy. I think he fits in the NBA. It's replayed for such a long time and coached and was a broadcaster. So I hope that's what happens. He can move on and Alabama can go find someone that's a fit uh, at the University of Alabama. I know I've been asked about that. I would hope coaches like Kelvin Sampson at Houston would be, uh, you know, who's got them in the top ten would be considered. Uh, perhaps Steve Wojciechowski at uh, Marquette. Even a guy like Lenny Acuff here in my backyard at UAH at Alabama-Huntsville. He's an outstanding coach and in, 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 in person that's got the complete respect of everyone in the state and nationally. Uh, so I, we'll see who Alabama, who they can attract. I've been told by a mutual friend of ours that Byrne has an up-and-coming coach that he's targeted. We'll see who that is. I haven't wasn't given a name, uh, but that's going to be a very interesting thing to follow uh, in the coming days. And then to switch over to football, one practice in, William, we've seen this before. Nick Saban likes to do this, practice one time, and then have spring break and then come back. Uh, the one storyline that came out that was a, a hot topic of the conversation was Ale Kehoe, the uh, sophomore linebacker from Nevada, was not at practice. Uh, and Nick Saban coming out with a cryptic statement. Saying that uh, you know that right now he's working through some issues and he's trying to see if he wants to continue to play football. Uh, that was the, probably the most concerning because as you know, Mac Wilson went pro. Uh, probably needed another year, definitely did. But I still think addition by subtraction because I'm, I'm just not sure that he was on the same page with the coaches. I still wish him a lot of luck in the NFL. If he goes to the right organization, I think he can have a good career. But right now, the depth inside the linebacker is pretty scary, William, because you got. A guy like Dylan Moses, who's very who's experienced now, but he's gonna have to slide over to that Mike spot. You got Joshua McMillan, who's a limited athlete, kind of like a Denzel Duvall, who's running first team. But then you've got Cahoe missing, and even though there, there's been reports he's gonna come back after spring practice or uh, after spring break, pardon me, which would be huge. But then you've got Jalen Moody, you've got Markel Benton, and there's been good reports about him, and there needs to be. And then the Shane Lee and, and the Christian Harris. So. Middle linebacker is kind of scary right now, William. Yeah, and
0: you know, I think there was, <clears throat> you know, certainly some some misses um, in, in the yes. last couple of recruiting cycles at that particular position. I mean, you know, there's, um, you know, not that that alpha dog guy like a Reggie right You know, it was it was almost like a, uh, you know, a passing of the baton uh, or a passing of the torch type situation there at middle linebacker. You know, from C.J. Mosley to Reggie Ragland, Reggie Ragland to Reuben Foster, and then, you know, you thought it was going to be, you know, Foster to, you know, Dylan Moses. We'll have to wait and see if that kind of manifests itself, you know, this year. You know, I think Mac Wilson was, you know, kind of involved in that same conversation, and, you know, I mean, I I just thought that, you know, maybe, you know, Mac's career, you know, was was, you know, kind of hindered by injuries and, um, you know, maybe he was just a little bit overhyped, but um, you know, you know, was a kind of a hot and cold player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looked like a million bucks in, in December <laughs> and January last year. It never carried over to 2018, uh, but you know, certainly an area of concern. And and you know, I guess we'll find out. Um, you know, if, if you know Pete Golding's worth the money there. Um, but, you know, I think that's certainly when you look at what's coming back on the defensive side of the football for this 2019 team, you know, certainly the, the D-line has the, you know, the personnel to do it. The outside linebackers do it. You know, the DBs are, are loaded. But, you know, there, there is that, that question mark about. Uh, you know, the inside linebackers. And that is such a, an important cog in, in that defensive wheel. So we'll just have to wait and see how that works out. But, no, that, that's a concern, and especially if, uh, you know, Cahoe can't work through his issues um, and, and, and return there because I, I think he was going to be counted on early and often this year.
2: Yeah, he really was. And as you said, the last couple recruiting classes, uh, you know, they've, uh, Alabama's missed on some uh, middle linebacker candidates. Uh, and so they've uh, uh and and that and that's big, especially in this last class. You now Dean and uh, Henry Toa Toa both go elsewhere, and so they've uh, Alabama's missed on some guys that would probably be candidates uh, to be playing in, in the middle. And so uh, that happens sometimes, though. So uh, I think Alabama has to uh, move on. You know, if Ale wasn't able to come back, I mean, we think he's going to, but if he continues to have issues. Perhaps Nick Saban looks at a graduate transfer, though. At middle linebacker, that's tough, especially if you're not going through spring and as complicated as Alabama's defense is. So it's going to give opportunities for guys like Markel Benton, Jalen Moody. Uh, as we said, they're both going to get, uh, you know, a lot, uh, a lot of reps. And then if Ollie's back, I mean, certainly I thought Ollie was probably going to be the favorite to start. I thought he was an outstanding special teams player, showed a lot of potential. So we'll just have to see. And you know our thoughts and prayers are are out there with him. Uh, I you know I've uh, he's had a family situation uh, that's uh, been affecting him. Uh, he's had a divorce in his family that he was they were going through his mom and dad when he was going to Washington uh, that was still kind of getting bitter. He went to Alabama I think that's still going on. Uh, you know and that, in his culture I mean that's considered kind of a sin. So he's caught up in the middle of it. I feel for him and so hopefully they can get all that stuff ironed out he can come back to Alabama inside that bubble Nick Saban creates uh, and become a great football player because it's a golden opportunity for him. Uh, And we'll see if he comes back after spring break like we're hearing. Uh, It was reported first by Tony Sucala, so the Bama Insider had him on the show this morning. Uh, He does a really good job uh, for the Rivals Network. So we will see if that happens. But Ali Kehoe certainly needed, and uh, that was probably the biggest story coming out of uh, the first day of practice. And then my biggest it, my biggest storyline going in, William, was the offensive line. We knew there was going to be a lot of experimentation and mixing and matching. As expected, I thought Alex Leatherwood would move back out to tackle. He was with the tackles, first practice. Sounds like he's it'll be him and Evan Neal probably on the left side. Evan has lost some weight. I think he's lost 20 pounds as he signed with Alabama, hopefully down there around 340. So he's going to be somebody to definitely watch. And then, of course, the center position. Chris Owens looked like he was taking the first reps. I Owens is my favorite personally because I think he's versatile, he's very smart. They, I think he's uh, well respected by the coaching staff. But I think Darian Dalcourt, the true freshman, shouldn't be overlooked. Uh, and then Emil Ekior, left guard. We know that uh, you know a lot, the Cornbread would have been the favorite there, Deontay Brown, but he's probably going to be suspended the first four games. Opens the door for Emil Echior. Uh, and then, of course, right tackle, still going to be Jedrick Wills. Then you have to wonder, does Matt Womack fit in at right guard? Who kind of fits in there? William, I know it's just one practice, but your thoughts on maybe that offensive line and where you might see the pieces fitting?
0: Well, you know, I think certainly um, where, where it all kind of starts and stops is with Evan Neal's development. I mean, that that guy is an absolute monster. And, you know, if he really is a legit six-foot eight, if he's already dropped twenty pounds and he's down to three forty, um, he's where he needs to be right now. Um, and, and, and then, of course, you got you know the rest of spring and the summer camp. So, um, you know, I don't think he's a guy that um, w- w- was maybe looked as being a you know a turnkey day one guy like a Cam Robinson or a Jonah Williams, but you know, if he continues to drop weight and get some better shape, I think he can become one of those type guys. Um, you know, I think, you know, I was kind of surprised, you know, during the, uh, 2018 season that, you know, Matt Womack never emerged, especially, um, you know, where they could have moved some pieces, um, um, you know, with, with the, you know, the, the bouncing back and forth between, uh, you know, cornbread and, and, uh, Uh, Lester Cotton at left guard with Alex Leatherwood struggles at right guard. I I kind of expected Womack to maybe reemerge late in the season on the inside or, uh, you know, maybe him go back to right tackle and and Jedrick Wills solidified one of those inside spots. So, you know, anytime you have a, you know, um, wholesale coaching changes, you know, which, you know, this seems to be the, um, you know, the new trend with Nick Saban, you you know, six, seven, eight guys, uh, you know, getting out and, and new guys coming in. I mean, we'll have to wait and see what Kyle Flood's philosophy is there, um, you know, as opposed to, you know, what Brent Keyes was. Um, but, but, you know, I, I think there's certainly going to be a lot of moving parts there involved, and, and it's probably not going to get settled until mid mid to late August.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting because uh, Matt, Matt Womack was, as you've always said, was a very solid right tackle a couple years ago and the injuries really kept him sidelined last year, really put him behind. Jedrick Wills is, of course, very talented. Uh, it would have been interesting to see if Matt had been healthy, if Jedrick would have slid inside to guard, or if they had slid at Womack inside to guard. I know Nick Saban's, but one of his things he always talks about is the best five. Because he's a, a guy that's played a lot of football for Alabama, he's, I think he's a redshirt junior now. Uh, I still think there's a pretty good chance that Matt Womack will be somewhere. That's why I've kind of targeted right guard because uh, I think uh, I've always felt like that uh, Leatherwood. He was uh, only a decent guard at best, and but he wasn't really. A, he wasn't a guard. They put him in as one of the best five. He's a tackle. I'm going to be interested to see if he, uh, because in, in limited duty at left tackle, at times he looked good when he was a when he was a true freshman. But, again, he struggled at right tackle last spring. So that's going to be really interesting to see how Weatherwood does going back out. Can he hold off an Evan Neal who could – I mean, because as we know, William, uh, Nick Saban has never been afraid to start a true freshman, even at left tackle. I mean, he did – before he came in, Andre Smith did it, and then he's done it a couple of times with Cam Robinson and Jonah Williams. And and even if he struggles a little bit in spring, I still remember how much – uh, Cam Robinson improved from the spring to the fall. I know you you talked about how you thought he improved more than any kid you'd ever seen in those in those uh, months.
0: Oh no! I mean, I, I can remember uh, I went down there for the, for the first spring practice um, when, when yeah. Cam Robinson was a, was a true freshman. I can remember calling you saying, "Hey, man, you know, based on what I just saw today, I mean, this this guy's not ready for prime time," and you know, kind of the same you know, type of deal that I can see Evan Neal going through, Um, you know, they peeled some bad weight off of Cam Robinson. And then when I went back for, um, you know, the first scrimmage uh, in August, and I I immediately called you back and I said, hey, by the way, uh, toss that evaluation (laughs) out that I gave you about him not being ready because, um, you know, after being there from January through spring practice and then, Let's just call it middle of April through uh, mid-August. Uh, he was ready, and uh, so you know, you just don't know how long it takes each individual kid for for the light to come on, for it to click. And you know, of course, he had a a great three-year career for Alabama playing left tackle. Um, you know, and again, you know, we still don't know all of the the dynamics and and how. Um, you know, Kyle Flood's influence in as far as who, who the best five are going to be and how that's going to all play out. You know, there, there was, you know, some scuttlebutt after the first practice that it was, um, you know, more up-tempo and, and, and more intense than, than what the practices were for the O-linemen under, under Brent Key. So, yeah, I still think that's all, you know, to be determined type stuff. Um, but, you know, let's don't discount the fact that, you know, that this kid um, is an animal. I mean, he's got a chance to be one of those three and done type guys. Um, you know, if in fact he is, let's, let's don't even call him 6'8, let's just say he's 6'7. Right. If he's six seven, 340, um, he, he's got his body in a position right now to where he, he's going to be capable of being a day one starter if he can get the playbook down and um, you know, get stronger and, and learn all those things. Um, but you know, th- there's so many moving parts there on the offensive line, Drew, mm-hmm. um, that that's going to be real interesting to follow. Maybe one of the best storylines, um, outside of, you know, the inside linebackers. And then, and then again, uh, you know, there's reports that, uh, you know, who I like to call baby Tua, um, you know, has gotten himself into better shape and, uh, you know, was delivering, you know, solid, accurate passes in practice on Friday. And, uh, you know, maybe he makes a run at the, the second-team quarterback position right behind his older brother. Um, so, so you know, I, I think this, this, this team, I mean, this whole dynamic as we continue to, you know, kind of dissect it and talk about it, um, there's a lot of, you know, different moving parts. I would say that um, – you know, there's not going to be a lot of confusion about who the starting quarterback's going to be, obviously. Uh, obviously, the, the uh, running back situation is going to take care of itself on offense. Um, the D-line's going to take care of itself, the DBs. But I think that, you know, the, the, the two biggest moving parts going forward outside of spring practice going into fall is going to be that in those two inside linebacker spots on defense and the O-line on offense.
2: And then, William, uh, I know he was ready to go by the time he was a redshirt freshman, uh, Ryan Kelly, and he became a first-round draft choice after he developed. But we've heard a lot of great things about Darian Dalcourt. He's an early enrollee, true freshman uh, from St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. Do you think he can make a run as a true freshman at the center position, or do you think a guy like Chris Owens, who's a program guy who played some left tackle last year, played a different spots, do you think he is going to be the favorite at center or could we even see Echior get a look over there? What are your thoughts right there in the pivot? Um,
0: no, I, I think, you know, unless Echior drops some weight, I think what, what you're going to see at, at center is going to be a battle between Chris Owens and um, Dalcourt, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, um, you know, and two totally different players. Or uh, If you even want to throw uh, uh, Echior into that mix, um, you know, Dalcourt's more of a felt player. I mean, he, he's he's a you know a little bit lighter, more in the, the same uh, you know standard of, of Ross Pierce Baker or um, you know a guy like Ryan Kelly. When I mean, you want to compare them as far as what they did as a center versus Dowcourt, um, you know I, I think you know certainly that those things could all come into play, but at the same time. Um, you know, a guy like Chris Owens and Ikior could factor in at either one of those. If, if they don't factor in at center, um, both of those guys could factor in at either one of the left guard or right guard positions because, you know, they are, uh, you know, big, hipped heavy-legged guys that, that, that have power at the point of attack. Now, do they have the same power uh, that Cornbread does? Absolutely not. You know, that's the bell ringer right there. Mm. Um, and, and I understand, you know, he's he's battling back from a, a real unfortunate situation um, with that failed NCAA drug test. But I, I don't think that, you know, I, I think that offensive line, the the five best O linemen, and you know, the two best inside linebackers are going to be the storylines going into you know fall camp.
2: And then with uh, Deontay Brown, cornbread. Uh, Do you think after the four-game suspension of the first month that he will come back and get his job back, or is that going to set him back to the point where he'll likely be with the twos all season? We did see a significant difference in production for that interior running game when he was healthy last year. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how far he falls behind, and, of course, his conditioning will have a lot to do with it. But I guess my question is, can he get his job back in 2019?
0: Um, you know, I I would say the, the easy answer is maybe not. I mean, based on the fact that, you know, you saw Matt Womack never get his job back, you know, coming off an injury. This is a failed drug test, um, you know, with cornbread, um, maybe not. I mean, you know, Nick does, you know, seem to be once the season starts, he seems to be, Um, you know, a head coach that that likes to stick with the guys that, you know, got him to where he's at. Um, You know, that that, that doesn't just, you know, fall on on, uh, Deontay Brown. It's the same situation with uh, Kendrick James at tight end.
2: Right. Mm, Uh, We'll see how that
0: plays out as well. But, um, you know, there's a big difference in factoring in a guy like Deontay Brown, who's, you know, the strongest player on the team, uh, you know, make such a huge difference in, in the run blocking game, um, you know, versus a, a journeyman, um, what I would like to say, a journeyman tight in like Kedrick James. We're talking about two different animals there. Um, you know, can he do it? Yeah, sure. But I, I just don't know, especially if, you know, they don't win the appeal with the failed drug test, um, you know, whether there's going to be time allowed for that to happen.
2: And then, uh, also, I thought it, you know, an interesting, we always see Nick Saban do these position experiments, but this one could work out to the young man's benefit to get him on the field faster and could, uh, of course, help provide depth. We know, you just mentioned Kedrick James will be suspended, likely the first four games. Miller Forestall's is the favorite, uh, coming in as a redshirt junior. Uh, he, you know, he was coming back from a knee injury and in ACL last year, didn't play a lot. Uh, and then uh, they've still got some a couple of in-line tight ends. Uh, Major Tennyson, who I know uh, from Texas, who uh, they have played him some. He, have, he hasn't played a lot, so he's there. There's rumors of a graduate transfer that could be a take for the University of Alabama. Matter of fact, if they do take someone at a position, tight end seems to be uh, like Colin Peak several years ago under Nick Saban. Oh, wow, it's already, it's already been about 10 years ago. He came in <laughs> as one from Georgia Tech. So I mean, well, Cameron Latu, who redshirted as a linebacker, outside backer last year, has moved there from the state of Utah. I, I kind of like that move, though, William. If he if he takes to it, I this is a move. I know it's an experiment right now that could be permanent. Your thoughts on uh, taking Cameron Latu over to tight end? It, in? it I, And obviously, uh, I guess it means the coaching staff with South San Siri now taking over the position of outside backer. Must feel pretty good with all these, like Terrell Lewis and Chris Allen coming back from injury. Uh Yabi and Noma staying in the program, but they've got enough depth to do that.
0: Well, you know, I would say this, Drew. I mean, I think the initial reaction should be, you know, you know, with South Censeri coming back to that outside linebacker spot. I mean, you know, this guy's walking into, um, you know, a dream job. I mean, you've got, you know, um terrell lewis and and, and and a healthy chris allen and you know th- there's a lot of luxury there at the uh outside linebacker spot uh number one i mean the fact that you know, you know are, are we looking at maybe uh, a spring practice move for depth kind of like they did last year um when they took uh you know, Smitty, from, from being one of the most productive wide receivers, you know, the hero of the, of the national championship game um, at wide receiver, you know, and they worked him the at corner basically all spring practice. Um, you know, are we kind of looking at that same uh, dynamic or, you know, is this something that's, you know, maybe going to be, um, you know, you know force, force-fed down the road? Um, with Latu being a permanent tight end candidate. Hell, I don't know. Um, you know, I think they've got, you know, their guys in place that are going to be, the, you know, the inline line blockers in the run game. Um, you know, I think Miller Forstall could be a guy that um, could pick up some of, you know, Earth Smith's, um, you know, reps in the passing game and be a dynamic passing threat. Um, but, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how all that works out.
2: Yeah. And, uh, of course, uh, Jaleel Billingsley signed in the recruiting class, but he's likely not going to be ready yet from Chicago. He's an outstanding receiver, but still needs to build his body up. No question about that. So, uh, that's why we kind of, uh, talk, started talking about maybe Alabama going ahead and, uh, and taking a graduate transfer. Uh, that, I mean, so, I mean, we will see if that, uh, uh, you know, comes to fruition, no doubt about it. Uh, but, uh, it, but uh, I think also when you look at Alabama, uh, they uh, be uh, they, uh, they should be loaded at the skill positions. Uh, Tua will be uh, healthy now and uh, and should be ready to go at quarterback. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. As you already kind of mentioned it with Lea Talia Tungovaloa uh, throwing the ball pretty well at the first practice, according to people that saw it. Uh, the that you know who's going to be the backup quarterback. This is a huge spring for Mac Jones, William, because. He was MVP of the spring game a year ago, but Tua was hurt and banged up. He didn't play a lot last year, uh, and he was so-so, in my opinion. Uh, Now Jalen's moved on to the Oklahoma Sooners. So for Mac Jones to still be considered the quarterback of the future or have a chance to start at Alabama, he's going to have to hold off to Leah Tunglelo and Paul Tyson. This is a big spring for him.
0: Well, you know, I don't think he's going to have to hold anybody off. Um, as, as far as talking about Tua and maybe – No, 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 I, I'm you. talking
2: about I, – I was just talking about the backup. Mac oh, Jones, as far as the
0: second-team guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, You know, I, I, I think, yeah, this is a big spring for, you know, for Mac Jones being the number two guy. And, and obviously yeah. the, the, the guy that he's going to have to hold off the most is going to be Leah. It's not going to be Paul Tyson.
2: Yeah, um, I would – you know, the guy so.
0: that he's going – Going to have to hold off. It's going to be Leah. You know, if he's in shape and, um, you know, can do the things that, that, you know, he did at, at the high school level, um, you know, both in Hawaii and, and both down here at Alabaster, um, you know, that's going to be a tough spring for, for Mac Jones. Um, we'll have to wait and see how that happens and how it plays out. But I, I don't really think the, um, you know the, the the second team quarterback position is it, it's a little bit different dynamic now. Yeah. Um, you know, with Jalen Hurts leaving and, and going to Oklahoma, and um, you know, of course, I'm sure Nick Saban doesn't want to um, you know go into um, you know an SEC game without you know Tua Tungabaloa being healthy. Um, that is something to watch, and it's certainly been a storyline you know in in the past year when he was the starter. Um, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see, you know, w- whether or not, you know, Leah or, or, or Mac Jones is going to be the, the, the second-team guy. Um, I, I do think that's something to watch this spring. But, you know, where, where I see the, the spring practice battles, Drew,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I, you know, I think it all circles back around to, um, you know, the inside linebacker position and the offensive line position on the other side of the ball. Um, You know, they're loaded for bear um, at D-line. They've got, you know, so many talented defensive backs, um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Certainly a lot of talented running backs and and the receivers, um, you know, know, kind of take care of themselves. So, you know, if you're Nick Saban and you're you're going into, um, you know, the 2019 spring practice, you know, what are your – pressure points as far as looking at this 2019 team and, you know, can they be a championship caliber team? I think it all circles circles back around to, um, you know, who are my two inside linebackers going to be and who are the best five starting offensive linemen going to be. And I think that's where, you know, those questions will get answered in spring practice. And, and, you know, certainly it's probably going to all filter over into, uh, you know, fall camp and August.
2: And then with the depth situation and inside backer, do you think we're still going to see them continue to cross-train Chris Allen to play both?
0: Well, you know, he is the one guy, Drew, that, um, you know, played that position in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think, you know, if if the situation, um, you know, with the Lee Cahill plays out and and maybe it doesn't have a happy ending, then you can possibly see – you know, a guy like Chris Allen go back to the inside linebacker. You know, my hope is um, that that doesn't happen, and mm-hmm. you know that uh, you know Chris Allen and Terrell Lewis can be those two alpha guys on the outside rushing the passer because I, I do think um, that's where those two guys are the most talented. But um, you know, if Cahoe, you know, you know flees the scene and, and doesn't come back, then all of a sudden that dynamic changes. And, um, you know, Chris Allen, you know, is a, you know, I know Alabama fans haven't really seen him on the field and and don't really have a good, you know, feel for him just yet. But from what I saw from him last year in spring practice, um, he probably played just as big of a part as, you know, Terrell Lewis did in, Alex Leatherwood losing that right tackle position last year. I mean, it, it was unbelievable uh, watching how fluid and quick twitch and how that guy can change directions and rush the passer. He, he, he played just as big of a part as Terrell Lewis did, um, you know, and Alex Leatherwood losing the starting right tackle job last spring and summer because he was just so good at what he does
2: yeah he really was, and we're gonna see you know what both those guys can do and I think and I'm anxious to see what Yabi Kenoma can do under Sal Seni. I think Sal was a really good hire. I don't think he gets enough credit for what he did at Alabama the first go around, especially as a position coach. I think he really developed him well. I don't think there'll be any drop off from that whatsoever certainly he's got a lot to live up to as a recruiter because of what Tosh was able to accomplish uh but uh, you know when you when you think of with that but uh, Alabama as expected as we already talked about earlier in the show uh, they've lost Quay Walker to to, uh, to Georgia last year and then you lose uh, you know uh, Henry Toa, Toa uh, and uh, Nicobe Dean so there's gonna be that Chris Allen could be very important as a guy that could be versatile and move inside and out uh, for the University of Alabama there's no question about it and hopefully finally they can have some you know uh, health uh, you know uh, see, you know that yeah, luck some some have guys stay healthy at that outside linebacker spot and be able to play the entire season. And we're Alabama. uh, You know, they've, of course they've got Kevin Taylor, the freshman who's an early enrollee from Grayson, Georgia. He's going through spring, but he's not going to be ready yet, but they've got some experience coming back. If they can keep it healthy. Anthony Jennings is a dog. You've got Terrell Lewis. who has got first round talent, Chris Allen, hopefully a Yabi and Noma. They can keep these guys healthy and, that was the reason. One of the big reasons they lost to Clemson, they had no pass rushers left, and they need Raquan Davis to be the old Raquan. We know Raquan has talent. I think one of the big reasons Coach Craig Kiliagowski is no longer on the staff is he lost control of that, uh, you know, D line room. So uh, Brian Baker, I'm anxious to see what he can do with uh, with uh, Raquan Davis and the rest of these guys. I mean, I think Le'Bron Ray should be ready to come into his own. Uh, Christian Barmore, I want to see him see how he's developed. I heard a lot of good things. Coming from the scout team work last year, Stefan Wynn. and then uh, William. I know you read the report too. I mean, the freak Antonio Alfano, two hundred ninety-five pounds already running a 4.8.
0: Um, I'll say two things about that D-line room, um, right? Last year, and 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 um, yeah, Alfano certainly plays a part into this as well. But you know, to me, Drew, I, I think you know, one of the, the, the biggest mistakes that took place on that coaching staff last year was not getting LeBron Ray more, more involved.
2: Time. You know, he, yeah, he, he was, um, you know,
0: 290, 295, um, you know, on the hoof. Um, you know, when they did give him a chance, he produced. And, you know, I, I never understood, especially – um, you know, going into that national championship game with Clemson where, you know, the pass rush was going to be at a premium, um, you know, I just didn't understand why they didn't include him more because, you know, when that guy had limited reps last year and, you know, he got into the game, he made stuff happen and, you you know, I think he's, a, a, you know, a perfect example of, uh, of the Nick Saban process. You know, yeah, I mean, he's, he's kind of been hen-packed of, uh, you know, being a five-technique defensive end, you know, in the same mold of, of Jonathan Allen and, you know, a lot of those other guys. But, you know, they could have lined him up that, out there on the edge and, and certainly put more, uh, you know, pressure on uh, Sunshine from Clemson than they did number one number two i i think they've gotten so many really good um you know interior players on that defensive line in the last 24 months um that that, that that's going to be a premium but you know if you want to sit here and, and talk to me about antonio alfano let me say we'll be on <laughs> uh you know the radio for a long time because um you know, th- this is a special kid. I-, I think he's got the opportunity to um, maybe be the defensive equivalent, uh, you know, of the Nick Saban era, um, you know, to Julio Jones on offense.
2: Wow. Um,
0: I-, I spent several, several uh, days last year while Antonio Alfena was being recruited and the only person that i could find um you know in my research and i challenge anybody to listens to this show to you know do the same thing um and the only person that i could find to challenge those you know combine testing numbers mm. uh, and this wasn't when he was coming out of high school this is when he was coming out of wisconsin Right. Uh, you know, going into the NFL draft. But the only person that I was able to find that could match Antonio Alfano's testing numbers were J.J. J. Watt. J.J. J. Watt's numbers coming out of Wisconsin.
2: Yeah, that's and, it. Yeah.
0: I mean, th- th- this is a freak show. Um, mm-hmm. I think he. Um, I'll be shocked if he's not a a day one starter, especially now that, you know, they put, um, heavy weights and and a lot of good groceries down his throat and he's up to 295. Um, this is a really special player and they don't come up, you know, along very often. Like I said, um, the the one guy that I could actually find that, that, you know, was close to him as a high school player. Um, and he wasn't even a high school player. It was J.J. Watt coming out of Wisconsin to the NFL Combine, and Alfano was right there with him um, as a high school senior. So, you know, this guy has a chance to be a day-one starter and, and, you know, could make a huge difference, um, you know, Drew, on, on this 2019 Alabama defense.
2: Yeah, he's really good. There's no question about it. And I love Justin Ibogbe, too, but he's raw. We'll see how far he comes No, along. no, no, no,
0: no. Well, hang on a second. Now, let, let me say this. Um, All right. You you just brought up a great point. Um, under normal circumstances, you know, not talking about Alfano versus J.J. Watt, you know, the next guy on my list would be Abogbee, especially mm-hmm. now that he's 285. Um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily put him in that same category as Alfano as somebody that I think might start day one.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: l- let me tell you something. Um, that that guy is, is, is special in his own right. You know, he might not be, um, you, you know, a, a top ten future draft pick like Alfano is. But, oh, no, no, no. Um, he He, he is – very special and, and in his own right, I, you know, he, he's going to be a guy that's going to be in the two deep roster. Um, you know, he, he's so talented, um, especially now that he's put on weight. And I think that's what a lot of Alabama fans, you know, miss out on is they don't understand these um, repressed, um, you know, personal circumstances that these kids come from. And, you know, how they blow up so quick, well, it's a real simple solution. Um, You you know, they come from an impoverished background. They come from, you know, parents that are split up and um, all that other stuff. But, no, Justin Abogier is another one, Um, which, you know, I've always said this over and over again to Alabama fans that worry about this kind of stuff. Um, you know, I saw Alabama recycle, you know, their offensive line under a quick man or under Mario Cristobal. And you know, I've seen them do it under, you know, Bo Davis, Carl Dunbar, and, um, you know, now Brian Baker. Uh, but, you know, this a at 285, if they can get him up a little bit higher, um, he, he's not going to be the Antonio Alfano, but he's going to play early and often as a true freshman. He is that good.
2: And that's an interesting take uh, from the true freshman from Forest Park, Georgia, Justin Ibogbe, and uh, we'll see if that happens. We're going to be watching him very closely in the spring, and uh, DJ Dale's also enrolled early. He's another guy that's underrated. People are excited about, uh, you know, they've got Braylon Ingraham coming in too. Uh, it's just a very talented. And of course, Ismail Sopsher. Uh, who, when motivated, he has a lot of talent. So they, they've they've uh, they covered hey, let the me,
0: let, let me let me tell you this, Drew, about DJ Dell. Right. Um, everybody's talking and everybody's crowing about getting Ishmael softer. Um, yeah. And you know that was a huge a huge get, and, and I'm happy that they got him. But let me let me tell you something about this damn DJ Dell. Um, he he was um a day one take. Um, from Nick Saban at the Alabama camp, number one. Number two, um, he destroyed all of the um, high school offensive linemen um, at the Alabama camp this past summer, mm-hmm. um, kind of in the same manner that Duron Payne did. And I'm talking about, you know, Pierce Quick, Evan Neal, mm-hmm. um, you know, Clay Webb, you know, certainly. Um, this is another one that, you know, you need to keep your eye on. That, that's a guy that could factor in early and often. Um, he's a lot better than, than what his recruiting rankings were. Um, you know, the staff feels that, that he's a lot better. And, you know, don't, don't discount him at all. He could factor into the, you know, the two-deep rotation, uh, you know, this year at Alabama real, real quickly.
2: Yeah, and then, of course, uh, don't even forget about Byron Young, maybe the best defensive lineman in Mississippi. So this D-line class is the best I've seen on paper. I mean, it doesn't have a weakness, and very excited to see all these cats get in the mix. Uh, And then, of course, another thing to watch, it's uh, not going to be as high profile as the O-line, D-line, and we talked a little even about tight end, and uh, the backup QB behind Tua is going to be the punting and the place-kicking. Will Reichert is an early enrollee. He's already been seen uh, practicing his practicing his punt drops. Mike Bernier is back for his fifth year. He was okay. Uh, you know, we know Skylar DeLong was a disaster. How much progress has he made? So, but luckily Reichert can do it all, and now uh, he will also compete, uh, of course, uh, with uh, yeah, with Joseph Bulavas as far as the field goal and probably kicking off. So uh, reichert has got a heck of a leg. I can't wait to see him perform. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of where Jeff Banks takes the kicking positions, kicking and punting spots uh, in this spring. We're going to watch that uh, very closely as well. And I know, uh, Thomas, I haven't brought you into the conversation, but uh, as we're winding it down here on this, uh, this uh, edition of BAMS Radio, uh, what's some of the things you're going to be watching for? I know you've heard William and I exchange uh, ideas, but is there something that we haven't mentioned that kind of intrigues you with this
1: spring at Alabama? Well, I think you've said a lot of the stuff that I'm most focused on, and a lot of what I'm interested in is hard to measure. You know, Nick Saban made a big deal about losing the so-called Alabama factor. Right, and, factor, yep. And you look at this team as it's constructed right now, and particularly on the coaching staff, you have, I don't want to call them old-school Sabanites, But you have a different dynamic mix of coaches that understand Nick Saban's system because they've been in it and some kind of young, hungry coaches on the staff as well. So, you know, what I'm really going to keep my ear to the ground for and, you know, I'll be bugging William behind the scenes. I'll be bugging you behind the scenes. I'll be looking for anything I can find on this issue is how does that sort of coalesce? I wasn't as critical as Nick Saban was in terms of losing the quote-unquote Alabama factor. I think that there were some legitimate addition by subtraction moments that happened this past, uh, past uh, go-around. There are some things that, pieces and parts that are good people. I would talk to them every day, but I know a lot of people that I like, but a good many of those I don't want to work with because hmm. they're just pure personality conflicts. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, it's kind of like you don't really want to work with your friends because at the end of the day, there's going to be the evolution of a hierarchy in many cases, and hierarchies and friendships come, sometimes cause clashes. So for me, it's you know on the umbrella of the quote-unquote Alabama factor, and – I doubt we're going to get a really solid answer in the spring, but we'll kind of get some, we'll probably get some nibbles about it. You know, who really starts stepping up as an alpha dog, whether it's, you know, Dylan Moses at middle linebacker or you mentioned Ali Cahoe, if he kind of gets his mind right and gets his situation set up. You know, that, that's something certainly worth monitoring. I wish the guy the best because from everything you hear about the, the kid, he has just been through some kind of. Weird culture shock hell that I wouldn't wish on anybody. So it's just that sort of stuff. And it's really not just spring for me, Drew. This is going to extend up until when Alabama kicks it off against Duke. And you can certainly argue it's going to extend even further to that, to when Alabama's challenged by Texas A&M because Alabama travels to College Station this 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 go around or you know I don't mean to say that there's going to be nothing until Alabama plays LSU because I don't really buy that as a storyline but you know that that's going to be something that I'm going to keep my ear to the ground on so we'll see I'm really glad that you know we're Alabama as a group call it a fan base call it a team call it whatever you want is actually doing something to get the terrible taste out of their mouths from uh uh, uh, that, that, that awful time in uh, Levi stadium, but you know, that that's just what I'm looking for by and large, true. Well, and I'm, I'm really looking forward
2: uh, to seeing Brian Robinson this spring uh, him battle with Najee Harris. I think Brian is completely underrated. What he's going to do. We all know how good the receivers are, uh, but, uh, and what they've got returning, but I think uh, Najee's been waiting for his time. Had a pretty good year last year. Brian has always done a good job in his limited reps, but he's going to get the time to shine. Jerome Ford, redshirted. He'll get some reps this spring. And then, of course, uh, the, uh, the, the then uh, we will see uh, the young freshman come in, but he won't be in until May. Uh, it's, uh, but, uh, but, but again, uh, I think Alabama's the running back situation. Brian Robinson's has really been taking his time and really uh, waiting for it. And I think he's got a chance uh, to be special. Uh, no doubt about that. But uh, uh, I think uh, it's it's going to be a class. It's going to be very talented. Uh, it's going to be very, very good. Uh, and I think uh, when you think about uh, Trey Sanders and what he could do and Keelan Robinson, both of them will be in uh, in May and they'll add to the running back room. But I'm really excited uh, to see, you know, uh, you know, Brian Robinson and Najee Harris and what they can do this spring and uh, with this uh, with these opportunities. And, and so we're going to monitor it all. We probably won't be back with you next week because Alabama's on spring break. There's really nothing to report, uh, but uh, we'll certainly in a couple of weeks chime back in as we continue to hear buzz uh, in, from uh, Alabama's practices. Uh, you know, uh, we all, we always enjoy Bams Radio. We know the fans have been really supportive of us. We've been getting thousands of listens. Uh, that's a big credit to Thomas and the product he's putting out, and William being able to join us each week. I've enjoyed it, uh, you know, and maybe. By the time we rejoin you in a couple weeks, we might be in the middle of a basketball coaching search. You never know. Uh, so we, we talked about that at the start of the show. So could Alabama be uh, on the move and on the lookout for uh, another uh, basketball coach? But as we're wrapping it up, too, uh, just a name to remember, and this is courtesy of Rod Orr of TylerInsider.com, who's joined us on this podcast and been a big part of my radio show, uh, Talking Ball. Tyler Mabry has already visited Alabama as a graduate transfer he was an all MAC tight end at Buffalo. Before that, he played at IMG Academy in Braden, Florida. Uh, he had about 260 yards receiving last year, a couple of touchdowns. I think he caught 23 passes. He's caught 60 in his career. Again, 6'3, 260. So he could be a guy, maybe, that Alabama decides to bring in. He wouldn't come in until May, of course. Uh, but uh, to add to that tight end room, if they believe they need another inline tight end uh, to come in and make an impact. So uh, Nick Saban already kind of planning ahead and we'll see the all these uh, William will be of course taking in a spring scrimmage i'll be taking one in and we'll see how these assistant coaches are uh you know meshing with these players and some guys that are really stepping forward really looking forward to seeing how the, all this unfolds and if alabama can get back to that dip the, you know the discipline effort toughness commitment pride that nick saban talks about that's the bama factor and see if they can get it back because I think they he felt like they lost a little bit of their edge last year on offense and defense, and I think he wants them to get back to being a team that basically makes people's ass quit. It gets back to being physical uh, on the line of scrimmage, and I think that's what uh, a big part of this spring is going to be about and uh, really excited about it. But we appreciate everybody for uh, tuning in to BAM's radio. We we'll appreciate Thomas Watts, appreciate William Redfish Barger joining us tonight. I'm your host, Rudy Armin. Some great conversation. We'll have even more for you in a couple weeks and some more buzz. And we always keep our, uh, uh, you know, our ear to the ground. We have some more recruiting information right now. It's kind of dead in recruiting. Uh, you know, Alabama's still trying to put their class together. Uh, you know, they did hit, They did continue to get the pipeline rolling to St. Francis with Deshaun Holden, the, the wide receiver, uh, you know, several days ago who committed to Alabama. But there may be some more begin to come out as prospects visit spring practice. Uh, but we'll uh, continue to cover all that and more on BAM's radio. But for William Redfish Barger and Thomas Watts, I'm your host, Judy Armand. Thank you for listening, and uh, we look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks. Good night and Roll Tide.
1: 18 plus.